0: Good Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. The program is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR, on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Stick Together is made possible through the financial support of the Community Radio Foundation, and we come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. Today we're going to look at education. The Morrison government is fumbling around in the dark when it comes to the support of Australian workers and their education needs. The Liberal Party One Trick Pony does another turn around the carnival ground with the Morrison government pushing to privatise TAFE. We get a view on the announcement from the Australian Education Union. On the funding of universities front, the government has announced 80 million dollars of tied funding this follows a 2-year 2.2 billion dollar funding freeze for the sector there are some pretty scrawny chickens in that hen house i think we get a perspective from the national union of students on the new funding regime but first some workers news <laughs> In what the Railway Tramways Bus Union in Victoria have called mild industrial action, called by a vote of 99% of the RBTU workers in Victoria, scheduled to start Monday 12th of August, going to August the 19th, have been withdrawn as a consequence of hard bargaining with Metro over the weekend. RBTU members had worked out a series of mild industrial action for the week that were aimed at hurting the company, not the commuters. These included frontline staff not wearing their uniforms, leaving ticket turnstiles open on Monday 12th and 19th. Metro had threatened staff that if they did all their duties but refused to carry out the sale of my key card transactions, Metro would dock 100% of their pay. RBTU sought legal advice which said that in fact it would be illegal for Metro to carry this threat out. The union spent the weekend conferring with members when Metro finally agreed in a convincing fashion to sit down with the union to discuss the issues over this week. A source at the RBTU said the union and its members have given Metro the benefit of the doubt and have put aside the actions for the length of the discussions, hopeful that something positive will come out of the talks. The union has not taken the stoppage marked for Tuesday, August 27th, off the table if progress isn't made. At stake for the RBTU members as they negotiate their new enterprise bargaining agreement are the following conditions across the network of workers. One, a job security clause. Two, the retention of training provisions. Metro wants to scrap training provisions, which is unacceptable to workers. And three, the retention of the EBO. The EBO is like the RDO concept where a worker works extra hours and accumulates enough for a free day each fortnight in the public transport system workers work consistently two hours extra because of how their rosters work these hours add up to a free day over time the company metro wants to just pay workers out with a little extra pay workers want their free day this is a developing story and we will keep you informed The issue of silicosis sent a shiver through the workplaces working with faux marble products late last year as young workers were found to be dying of the disease because there were no safe standards in place to protect their health. This dust has been called the new asbestos. There has been a call for a safe standard to be set Victorian Trades Hall on July 31st says Safe Work Australia has failed to take the opportunity to save lives with an inadequate new safe standard for people working with silicosis. Victoria Trades Hall says Safe Work Australia's decision to take three years to introduce a point oh five milligram per cubic metre standard does nothing to stem the tsunami of silicosis currently sweeping Australian workplaces. This is a decision that flies in the face of recommendations from the Cancer Council, oh experts in Australian unions and international scientific research that called for an exposure standard of 0.02 milligrams per cubic metre. Victoria Trades Hall Council has vowed to campaign for the Andrews Government to introduce standards of 0.02 in Victoria, thus making the state a world leader on safety standards in this area. <coughs> September the 20th is the date that secondary school students are urging adults and adult-run organisations to join them in a mass action for climate change. It is a global action, despite the belief that workers are only focused on their pay packets. Unions such as the National Union of Workers, the NUW, Maritime Union of Australia, the MUA, the Nurses Union, the ANMF, the Australian Nurses and Midwives Federation, and the National Tertiary Education Union, the NTEU, are all members of a global union movement called Trades Union for Energy Democracy, the TEUD. Climate change creates a specific new threat to workers at work and their journeys to and from work. In a recent blog by a former union negotiator, the key issues for workers are outlined. He writes, Climate change is real. It's happening faster and more dangerously than just a few years ago. It's a major driver in the dominant fossil fuel energy systems driven by the big corporations. But not only that, the Australian government is failing its people on climate change. It poses many practical problems for everyone. Workers at work and in their journeys to and from work face new and escalated dangers. Workers can take action for their own safety. There is an alternative in mass production of renewable energy. Workers can drive the rescue of the web of life that we are a part of and which is necessary for our children's future. Union flags and banners everywhere in solidarity. Union members can do it also without waiting for union officials to give leadership. Don't wait for it. Demand it. If you want more information about Trade Unions for Energy Democracy, go to unionsforenergydemocracy.org. If you want more information about September the 20th, go to Solidarity Dynamics. Largest ever asbestos payout. A record $3 million payout has been awarded to a worker working with asbestos materials who contracted asbestosis and has been given a three-year life expectancy. Matthew Werfel was first exposed to asbestos as a teenager while working for a fencing contractor in Adelaide between 1994 and 1997. This is a landmark case that highlights the ongoing risk to the public of working with asbestos. Many workers, especially younger tradesmen, who were not tradespeople, who were not working in the space when the use of the material was at its peak, are still not aware of the high risk of working with asbestos a solicitor who worked on the case stated, Unlike the people who were exposed to asbestos during mining, manufacturing or construction, many home renovators have no idea they were exposed to asbestos until years later when they are diagnosed with mesothemolo- mesotheliomia, mes- mesothelioma, or another asbestos-related disease. The solicitor went on to state that clearly not enough work has been done by the manufacturer of products containing asbestos to create awareness around the health risks their products create. This case confirms that James Hardy's, the employer, duty of care didn't end when it sold those products. It continues even decades later as tradespeople, homeowners and others are exposed to those building materials. Allianz has copped an incredible $1.4 million fine in damages to a worker after being found it was liable to the acts of an aggressive and physically abusive manager. The manager, who previously had been employed by the Australian Army, had stated that he was brought in to kick the workers in the head, in inverted commas, after the collapse of the HIH insurance group. Additionally, he had frequently engaged in verbal abuse, yelling and berating workers, as well as physically abusing them, including a case where the manager's shoulder charged the employee and another where the manager hit him on the back of his head hard so that his head nearly hit his computer keyboard. The court found that the employee developed post-traumatic stress disorder and depression, resulting in a, a whole person impairment of 22% from the manager's bullying and harassment throughout 2003 and 2004. Alliance is liable for the manager's behaviour, despite not directing him to behave in such a manner directly. They did advise him that his only goal was the improvement of the business, and to that end, he could act as he saw fit. It cost Alliance. million in damages. A registered training organisation and one of its trainers who cut training courses short and failed to cover all the requirements of the course has been fined more than $200,000 for OHS breaches. The assessment of the students who attended the two-day course were cut short, with each day of the two-day course finishing up around lunchtime. The training organisation pleaded guilty to 14 charges under section and fifty-three, two of the Victorian OHS Act of knowingly producing false or misleading documents while purportedly complying with the OHS Act and regulations. WorkSafe said in a statement that registered trainers have a legal responsibility and a community obligation to train workers properly, and WorkSafe will not tolerate assessors or organisations who cut corners or fail to play by the rules.
1: Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together.
2: Stick together.
1: Stick together.
2: Stick together. You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio.
0: The Morrison government's desire to privatise TAFE has been called putting the fox in charge of the hen house by the Australian Education Union. I spoke to Jason Malali, Vice President of the AEU, looking at uh, TAFE. Now, the government says that it wants to push the private sector into the forefront of the Australian vet sector, but there's been problems since the uh, government's come into Power when it comes to TAFE and vocational education. What are the concerns that the AEU have?
3: Well, we've got very little faith that the Morrison government have any respect for TAFE. Uh, they've uh, done nothing other than aid in a bit uh, the demise of TAFE. Uh, we've seen fewer apprentices. Uh, we've seen cuts in funding. We've seen rising student debt. Uh, we need a federal government that actually supports TAFE.
0: When you say fewer apprentices, it's actually quite shocking, isn't it, since they've come into power in 2013?
3: Yeah, it's certainly the case. The um, number of, uh, of apprentices has certainly declined since 2013. Uh, over 140,000 fewer apprentices since that time. Um, these are uh, critical training opportunities for our young people in particular, but not just our young people. It might be people retraining uh, as they move from one job to another. Uh, a government that sees fit to see a demise like that uh, isn't uh, in a good position uh, to be spooking the future of vocational education.
0: Now, the reason for why this has happened is because of incredible swinging cuts. Can you talk to that?
3: Yeah, look, we've certainly seen significant cuts uh, over the period that we've had the Abbott, Turnbull, Morrison governments, uh, we know that the amount of money going into uh, the hands of private providers, too many of them dodgy private providers, uh, because of the student loan uh, scheme arrangements, you know, turns into the billions of dollars. Uh, and we know that the outcome of the training for many people involved uh, with these private providers hasn't seen them uh, get the... Uh, skills that they need and the jobs that they want.
0: Yes, uh, at least $3 billion have been cut out of uh, TAFE. Now, um, when you say dodgy, this came to light in 2017 with the vet-free help scandal. Can you tell us about that?
3: Yeah, look, what we know is that there was uh, a a plethora of uh, private training colleges that uh, simply went out. Uh, got any enrolments that they could sign people up to loans often didn't deliver uh, quality training in some cases didn't really even deliver training at all. Uh, This though saddled uh, the students with significant debt uh, and it's a scandal of the highest proportions.
0: Yeah it's very worrying for people especially when they're trying to uh, change their future in a positive way isn't it?
3: Well that's right, and that's always the promise of public education, uh, not least when it's we're talking about TAFE it's the opportunity uh, to get skills and training for jobs uh, but it isn't just about the next job uh, next job it's a, it's about a broader set of skills um, so that people can actually uh, contribute certainly to the workforce and receive the private benefit that that might bring about but it's also about a public benefit, having people who have skills so that they can contribute more broadly to their community.
0: AEU isn't calling for the government to stop funding to the private sector but it is calling for 70% public funding to go to TAFE and to withdraw funding to for-profit organisations, aren't you?
3: Yeah, what, what we uh, absolutely uh, say is that the vast bulk of federal government funding must go to public TAFEs. Uh, when it comes to for-profit training providers, uh, they shouldn't get a brass zoo from the government. Um, we know that there uh, is a chronic lack of funding to our TAFE system, uh, and we absolutely know that the Morrison government needs to uh, back in any rhetoric it has about vocational education reform with direct funding to our TAFEs.
0: Now, it's been shown that one of the reasons for why TAFE is so important is because it sets the standard, doesn't it? It sets the bar.
3: Well, it does, and it's respected. We know the community uh, values TAFE. Uh, We know the community understands uh, that they'll get a high-quality education, Uh, and we know that because it does set the bar. uh, We know that because our TAFE teachers... Uh, compared to those working uh, for private providers, you know, do get uh, uh, salaries and conditions that are far superior. Uh, The way you treat the workforce is an indication of the way in which students will have their learning
0: conditions. Now, it's been pointed out that uh, Morrison has said that uh, TAFE is as good as the university Um, And, you know, words are cheap because he didn't actually talk about TAFE or vocational education in the budget at all.
3: Well, no, it's it's a bit of a Johnny-come-lately moment. Uh, uh, We know and have always known uh, that a vocational pathway uh, is... um, It's not even a question of whether it's as valuable as a university pathway. Uh, It's a a pathway that uh, absolutely suits a significant number of people uh, and a very rewarding way in which to transition particularly from uh, secondary schooling uh, through training and into the workforce.
0: The AEU have got a couple of things that they specifically want to have happen don't you? I mean there's the funding arrangements but then there's other things as well.
3: Well that's right, There's, there's, there's key things that we need to achieve Um, We we want to have the uh, failed student loan scheme abandoned. Uh, That's something that can't continue in its current form. We absolutely need to have a workforce strategy uh, that makes sure that we have um, uh, people with uh, great industry experience coming on board and becoming TAFE teachers. Uh, Critically, we need a a capital investment strategy as well. We need to make sure that the facilities uh, that our students in TAFE are learning in are up to date. Uh, and are really fit for purpose when it comes to making sure they get those skills. Um, most importantly though, uh, we need a comprehensive inquiry into TAFE, and it's only with an inquiry that actually looks at the genuine needs of uh, workers, uh, the genuine needs of business and industry, uh, that we can actually get on the right footing. If the Morrison government just thinks that they can uh, hand over. Uh, vocational education to their big business mates, um, then they'll find that the AU will certainly resist that.
0: Thanks for your time.
3: Good on you. Thank you.
0: The Federal Government has announced an increase of $80 million worth of funding for universities, but it's tied to their performance in four key areas student retention rates, graduate outcomes, participation from equity groups of Indigenous low socioeconomic status and regional or remote students, and student satisfaction with teaching. Nothing could go wrong there. The National Union of Students, the NUS, said they were pretty wary of this funding scheme coming two years after a $2.2 billion funding freeze that has left universities struggling to keep afloat. I spoke to National Union of Students President Desiree Kai for an update.
1: So um, I guess the performance-based funding scheme, it's the government announcing that they're lifting the funding freeze that they put forward at the end of 2017, which you know came into effect in 2018 and 2019, and effectively they've pledged uh, $80 million um, for the first year and then increasing, according to population growth, funding that universities can access if they reach certain performance goals. So um, that's Stuff around student success, so uh, the first year attrition rates, how many students from different equity groups like Indigenous, low SES and rural and regional students they can enrol, student satisfaction with teaching and also graduate outcomes.
0: And that means how many people graduate and then get jobs? Yes. And that's in a market that's actually contracting when it comes to uh, jobs,
1: yeah definitely with the graduate outcomes, we'd be wary about like you know what the specifics about that are, because of course you have a lot of students already working part time when they are studying, they're working at like you know hospitality jobs, casual jobs, and we wouldn't want to see you know the government saying tick tick uh, graduate outcomes are all good when you know all the graduates aren't working in their field that they've studied in.
0: yeah, and the elephant in the room, of course, is that uh, the funding freeze that was already in effect and the amount that was taken out of the higher education sector is far greater than the amount they're talking about now.
1: Yes, definitely. We've definitely looked at this uh, performance-based funding scheme. It's obviously one very small step in the right direction, but we're looking at it quite sceptically in the context of the wider funding cuts that the Liberals have brought about in the past two years. So, yeah, you're right. It was $2.2 billion that they cut from higher what education. What was
0: that? Two point two.
1: 2 billion.
0: Billion, not million, but billion.
1: Billion. So they're looking to introduce 80 million in light of that, and I think that's, you know, pretty laughable. We need a, rest, a full restoration to university funding um, that, you know, has been cut in the past 2 years.
0: Now, the other side to this is that if you tie university education and all education in fact to employment outcomes, you're actually undermining one of the uh, fundamental reasons for why you have uh, a Brains Trust at a university, isn't it? Yeah,
1: definitely. I think there's, you know, this wider um, issue with Australian universities where um, our government and the way that the, you know, education department currently is looking at universities, it's a commodity, right? You're selling your degree to international students. Uh, You're selling your degree to domestic students so that they can, you know, graduate and, you know, be employed and, you know, of, of course, all that sort of stuff is really important, but they're selling university education as a commodity. Go through university, you get qualification, get your rubber step, go into the workforce. You know, that's kind of the idea that the government seems to be pushing um, with, like, what university means. Whereas in, in a more ideal world, they are public institutions for learning and research and public discourse. Um, and all those things, you know, it's, it's becoming harder and harder for universities to uphold those sorts of things when they're being pushed by um, funding constraints, when they're being forced to operate like businesses because of those funding constraints and students aren't you know, getting the most out of their experience because
0: of that. You're the head of the uh, National Union of Students, and this is the perspective of uh, people who are actually studying and why they're doing it. Um, mm-hmm. The people who have fed into this government uh, uh, policy are actually uh, a number of vice-chancellors. There wasn't a voice for students on that uh, representative body, was there? No,
1: definitely not. We first heard about this performance-based funding scheme when it got announced yesterday.
0: Right. Okay. And so what does it what, what do you think that your members are feeling about it? What are the what are their reactions?
1: Well, I guess it's not quite surprising that this performance-based funding scheme hasn't really delivered what, you know, um the minister has kind of promised because we've seen this government is isn't for the best interests of students and for our, you know, higher education system. So it's re- I guess we're really not surprised, but of course disappointed that um, universities are going to continue to struggle and that students are going to continue to be, you know, left with um, the consequences of that. We, we hear about, you know, the insecure workforce, the fact that graduates are finding it harder to uh, find a job after they've graduated. And then on top of that, to say that, uh, you know, you have to start paying back your HECS um, help debt earlier, that's a real blow to young people who are you know, just starting to get their lives set up after they've graduated at university, and it really sets um, people in our generation back with things like saving for a house, buying a car, setting off our lives.
0: It's also lowering the standard uh, regarding the type of work that graduates are expected to achieve from uh, the amount of expenditure for a, a degree, isn't it?
1: Definitely. You see more more and more graduates are, you know, overqualified for the jobs that they're doing. And again, um, you know, some students are already working a whole lot during their degrees because they need to earn money to live. Um, And, you know, youth allowance is not enough. Um, And, you know, there are probably even instances currently where students are paying back their HECS help loan while they are still studying because the threshold is so low.
0: That's it for today's Stick Together. Thanks for listening. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne, broadcast nationally on the community radio network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and on iTunes. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by ringing 0394198377. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Until next time, stick together.
2: We uh, are blessed to be here and share a space with y'all here today. We're coming representing Chicago, the South Bronx, Chile, Puerto Rico. And more importantly, what we come is sharing the worker experience, the immigrant experience, the refugee experience, and all of those that have been marginalized by this capitalist society. Today, we want to be clear on which side we own. This was a song originally written by a woman by the name of Florence Reese when she was supporting a minor strike in the Appalachian Mountains and it's become an anthem for workers throughout the years. It was Pete Seeger's birthday recently. He did a remix. We felt it'd be proper if we do a hip-hop remix. This is Which Side Are You On? This is dedicated for all the workers celebrating May Day, International Workers Day, International Workers Struggle. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. We still put our fist up like that. We feel that power when we put that fist up. That's the power of history and struggle. Let's go. See I gotta draw the line I can't take it no more If you ain't down with revolution What you waiting for? Making money for suckers And not communities poor Ripping flags off of coffins and the same war Colonized and terrorized By the world's biggest killers The US government The biggest weapon and drug dealers Fillin' prisons with children Ecarcerating the future MySpace and Facebook Got it stuck on computers Stuck on stupid pumping music That's abusive to the shorties The just that they spitting We just listen and absorb it I've been told out i work I'm a champion, I'm ready. With the afro, the hop and we hold the machete. I ride car like Palestinian children holding slingshots, shots. With every single kid that's down for hip hop, hey, the culture, hey, the life, hey, what it really stands, stands for. for. This music is resistance. It's the voice of the, of the poor. poor. On the side of the workers, the teachers, and lunch ladies. On the streets, of brown mommies raising our brown babies. I'm a youth. Organized, cleaning up the Bronx River. Can't miss Galante when I stand and deliver. I'm with Evo Morales where he's running Bolivia. Distribution of the land so we can all live bigger. I'm with Hugo and Fidel, Grandmaster and Melly Mel With the Panthers up in Queens, justice for Chomé. With Camacho Negron, hey. with we don't that real. Come on, freedom for Oscar López. I'm to get a appeal. With a Buju with, with a star with of Shakur with the Compass and the Pocahontas and the Benny More. Which side Side are you on? Shy City. Which side are you on? The South Bronx. Yeah, which side are you on? Con Venezuela. Yeah, which side are you on? Con Palestina. Yeah, which side are you on? I'm with the workers. Which side are you on? Trabajadores. Which side are you on? Con las mujeres. Which side are you on? Now I'm for telling the truth, exposing the lies. Think about them dead soldiers when you're driving your ride. The people die for the oil and daddy bushes revenge. I'm with the widows, the children, and, and the, the lonely best friends. My family's staying together as one. I'm not for the raids or the deportations. I'm with Victor Toro and the MIR. So watch out for them snitches in the Amar car. And for Lil Saulito, we gon' fight for your moms. So we gon' shout around twice in one song. I'm for 12 million workers in the yellow For a world without borders and a Better tomorrow Better tomorrow